From Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 72. Happy New Year to you all. This week's episode is brought to you by Braintree, Casper, and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Oh, hey, Mike. Hey, Federico. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Mike? I'm good. How has 2016 treated you so far? I want to say pretty good. Yeah. yeah pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And Stephen Hackett, what about you? It's uh, it's going well. Happy uh, Happy New Year, you guys. Oh, look at that. It's so kind. Do you, Mike, in, in England, do you say Happy New Year or Merry New something? Do you Why have would a different... we say Merry? Oh, because of Merry Christmas, right? You say Happy Christmas, I think. No, we say Merry Christmas. Oh, no, we say no. Happy Christmas. I, we say all of them. No, you, you say happy. I, I read right. somewhere that you people, you people right, say that's, happy that's Christmas. Good. Yep. We do say happy Christmas. Yes. <laughs> we do say happy Christmas. Why were you confused? Uh, because of America and everything that it does to my brain all the time. You know, like the okay. reason that I say mobile and cell phone. It's all the same. Instead of? What, mobile what and mobile, mobile phone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I recent I've recently had this happen to me a couple of times where I meet people for the first time and they ask me if I'm American. That happens. Really? Yeah. Well, a, a very specific type of American. I guess your accent. Where would you live in America with your accent? Um, the edge, I suppose. One of the edges, right? Because it's closer to the UK. Because it's closer to the like ocean. If I live, live on the East Coast, then maybe like I'm closer to the UK, so it explains well, why my accent's like that- this. That is a great theory, Mike. <laughs> where do you live in America? The edge? <laughs> just on the edge. <laughs> I just live on the edge, man. That's where I am. Well, Mike, let's let's just get this over with. Uh, was Google Docs updated? No, and I am <laughs> getting so angry. Right, oh, calm down. I can't even write what I say what I've written in a document. Uh, there's oh, lots of yeah. expletives in there. Mm. I don't know what's going on anymore. I can't understand. Later on, we're talking about iOS 9, right? And the mm-hmm. fact that it's been here for three months, three months. But it's been like six months since the betas came out. I don't like all of the previous things that I've said about Google, like saying that they're a big company, they don't necessarily have to bow down to Apple and get things ready when they, you know, when Apple want, like these things happen. That's all out the window now because it's been three months and they're releasing updates every week and none of them give me what I want. Like Google, the Google Drive app. Like is a it works in split screen, but the actual apps I need, Docs and Sheets, don't. I try and use a web browser, and you cannot use these their documents in iOS web browsers, right? So, I, like, I try and open Chrome and Safari, so I can edit a document in one and look at something on the other. Can't do that. Like, I need the app. It won't let me do anything to open the app, and then yeah, I open the mm. app, and I can't split screen. Google. Well, have you tried iCab? For that, no, uh, I haven't. I haven't tried yeah, iCab for that. Because it's a, one of the browsers that I know of that it lets you say, um, I want to set my user agent. Yeah, uh, that's not to, a bad idea. Because you, what you can do is, you can say, I want to I wanna use this iPad as a user agent all the time. But for these specific uh, domains, so docs.google.com, I want to pretend that I'm on Chrome on my Mac. And th- that could be an option, maybe. I don't know. But yeah, totally. Why is there no app update? I mean, it's, seriously, it's been uh, three months. And um, did you make a note about Quip uh, getting an update? Uh, because it did get yeah. an update. with a- Yeah, yeah. Uh, this morning there, or last night, their release includes uh, the iOS 9 multitasking, mm-hmm. 
Which I feel is... like they're doing that just to rub it in now. <laughs> I mean, they're doing it because it's the right thing to nope. do, Mike. No, nope. they're just <laughs> okay. doing it. They're just doing it to upset me. <laughs> okay, that's sure. their reason. I know well, what you're up to Quip. I know your game. <laughs> we don't want to use Quip. We want to keep using Google. We because tried I gotta... using Quip, and it just it was mm-hmm. just a little bit too weird in certain places. Yeah, it was kind of odd. In, yeah. In... There's the font. I remember the font. There's a weird font. Yeah. When you when you do a checklist, maybe it's like a serif font. I don't understand. Uh, but really, we want to use Google. Um, and I say this because we've been getting uh, questions. At least I've been getting questions on Twitter. Uh, why do you stick with Google? Uh, what's the name of when you when you get close to a kidnapper? Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, that yep, one. I, I got a have. few people. I get a few people <laughs> saying that I suffer from that. Uh, wow. the, the issue is, yeah, people can get really creative sometimes. Uh, the issue is, we are using Google for everything, so it makes sense to stick to Google Docs. We don't want to move an entire system, you know, to something else. Well, it's uh, just flat out like the best system yeah. for doing shared documents. The problem is their mobile apps are behind the curve, but the actual system itself, the underlying system, is the best that I've ever used. And so that's why I want to keep using it. We've tried a bunch of stuff and just nothing is as good as Google Docs, but they're lacking in some areas. What about using iCloud Drive? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I will cut you. Wow. Just kidding. Fe- Federico, when you mentioned iCap a moment ago, that was a, uh-huh. a very poignant tip you were very you know you really it's just proving that you completely know what you're talking about you should have a show focused completely <laughs> on wow, tips wow. for people that use ios you really do know how to switch topics mike look it's almost you like your attention doing... to it it doesn't work right you got you gotta let it go and you go oh yeah let me tell you about this show that i've got coming this week that's what you uh, should you know that's how you transition into those things okay so what do you want should, should, should i do it again and then you do it, and then we'll just pretend like it never happened. <laughs> Please continue, Mike. What do you want to know from me? So, Federico, <laughs> you're really good at giving tips for people that use iOS. Mm-hmm. You should have a show about that. <laughs> yes, there's going to be one, Mike. Okay. Uh, on your network. Oh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, well, it's launching officially um, this week. I don't <laughs> <laughs> this, uh-huh, week, this for week mm-hmm. this week mm-hmm. and we've been thinking uh, so me and Fraser Spears um, we've been thinking both of us uh, independently uh, about a show uh, you know that's all about um, the iPad and, and iOS in general I guess and getting work done on, on on the iPad and you know mobile devices and using iOS apps to to do things that maybe a lot of people don't know that they're possible and um, and I think this idea of a, of a show about you know uh, with a, with a shorter format, uh, so thirty to forty five minutes, all focused on a specific topic and with a special attention to not using a Mac. The Fraser even sold his Mac, by the way. Um, he really he really started to grab my attention again over the past year uh, when when I, when I moved all of my. I would say daily tasks, except you know Skype and podcasting, to my iPad Air two and later to the iPad Pro. So the 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 show that which went out to Relay FM members uh, last week, mm-hmm. uh, it's called Canvas. Yep, um, Relay FM members got a little sneak peek of it, and it, that same episode will be available to everyone this week. Yes, it'll be available this week, and I'm I'm really 
I mean, it's obvious. I'm really excited, right? Because it's a new project and everything. But I'm, I'm, I'm possibly more excited about not just the launch, but the concept and the, the idea that I'm finally doing this. Because I've been writing, you know, about the iPad and, and iOS apps for, for years on Mac Stories. But I feel like the time is just right to do also a show with a different format, uh, with another accent, because, you know, if you listen to the show, you, you will hear <laughs> yet another accent or relay. And I feel like the timing is just right for us to do this after the, the iPad Pro uh, launched and, and, you know, before iOS 10 uh, this year. So we'll see how it goes. I, I had... Uh, I had a really good time doing the first episode where we have already uh, a bunch of topics planned for the future and yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So the show is called Canvas. It will be available later on this week. Um, you can follow the Twitter account. It's at underscore Canvas FM and they'll be tweeting from that account obviously when the show goes live on Relay FM and we're just doing something different, pre-announcing it and giving a little sneak peek to our members beforehand but it's a great show and there's also another little secret that is going to happen on the same day. Um, and it really is mm-hmm. just another way that we're starting off the year of Tichi uh, in the right <laughs> way. It's all Tichi all the way down uh, this week on Relay <laughs> FM. So if you, uh, have you been keeping an eye on, on the hashtag? I've seen it fly by. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm mm-hmm. not willing to relinquish uh, my year just yet. but um, I mean, just let it go, Mike. But if we gotta, We're having an overlap period now. It's, you know, it's how you pass the torch. You've got to have mm. some kind of like succession planning in place so i'm like an interim hashtag yeah the interim hashtag that feels about right <laughs> so speaking of hashtags we wanted to mention real quick that uh mac power users which is part of the uh the relay family as well is about to hit episode 300 and they've been recording for seven years which do you is reckon just... we'll get to that level or you could be sick of each other by then well we've been doing it a long time already but um that really is a testament. I mean, Mac Power Users is one of the very first shows I discovered, I mean, years and years ago, well before any of us thought about a career in this stuff. And so we're going to be recording episode 300 uh, next week. And we're going to do something special where, Mike, you and I are taking over the show. And we're mm-hmm. going to be uh, interviewing David and Katie about the show, about how they get their work done, the technology, and how it's changed over the years. And so uh, we're really excited about that. I know you and I both felt really honored that they uh, were uh, up for that idea. Uh, but we need y'all's help. Um, speaking of, of the hashtag, we're going to use MPU300 on Twitter. Uh, don't mention David and Katie. We want them to go in cold. We want them to to be uh, surprised surprised by our questions and, and comments from, from listeners. And we know there's a lot of you guys out there. Mac Power Users really is just a... Uh, an institution uh, in our space. And so uh, feel free to ask questions or, or leave comments there. We're going to sort through them for the show. Uh, working on putting that together this week and this weekend. And uh, really look forward to that coming out real soon. It's going to be fun. Most definitely. I'm really excited. And I'm honored that we've been given the opportunity to take the reins of the show for the, that episode. If we keep doing this for seven years, Steven will be like 50. Are you sure you can podcast when you, when you, if you're 50, man? A bit wow. too much? I mean, for sure, you cannot go to Vegas at that age. No, I don't think I could <laughs> Vegas now. <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's fine. So, we got, now that we're done with whatever that stuff was, we do have a little bit of, like, more normal follow-up. Um, uh, Mike, do you want to tell us about this uh, updated piece of artwork we got? 
So when, after Federico did his review at the iPad Pro when we were talking about the pencil, um, there was some fantastic artwork created by a guy called Gabriel, if you remember. And Gabriel created a, um, a kind of a drawing of Federico walking around with his iPad suspended, well, like propped up by his pencil, like it was mm-hmm. some kind of protest. And yeah. at the time, we really wanted a colored version. And Gabriel has now created that. So we now have a color version of the Federico protest, which is just superb. And we had to mention it and it has to be in the show notes. So you can go and take a look at it because that is kind of beautiful. Really well done. There's even a correction with the red ink. Yep, because you corrected Mm -hmm. his spelling, didn't you? Yes. And it's much better now. uh, So really, really well done. I love the coloring and I love the jeans. Uh, So And the red jacket. Too. I don't have a red jacket. I should probably buy a red jacket. It's really cool. Yeah, you look good in a red jacket. Yeah, I should probably go buy one and use that. I should probably print this out and take it to the store and like get me one of these. Uh, see what happens. Anyway, thank you, thank you, Gabrielle, for for the effort. Really good. And friend uh, of the show, uh, John Voorhees, discovered a blah 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 booth. For you, Federico. Really? Yeah. So okay. uh, I don't really know what blah blah booth does. Maybe it's where you get your photo taken. Uh, uh, that's a terrible idea. It's is it like you you rent the booth? Of, I don't know. Someone man. else. I'm looking at the whole picture and it just makes no uh, sense to me. You guys need to load their website. I don't <laughs> want to do it. It looks not, like that's... you can like hire or like rent a booth for an event, or maybe they have them at. Like, you see these things, we have them here, like, you see them in movie theaters and at the mall and stuff, you go with your friends and take goofy pictures. But, um, uh, the website is pretty spectacular. So, thanks, Let's John, see. uh, for looking out for us. <laughs> As always. <laughs> yeah, so this is strange, but blahblahbooth.com, oh, it's not blah blah, it's blah blah booth. There's yeah, no... it's, uh, it's, uh, it's close, but no cigar. Okay. Pose four times, comma, share online. They have a comma splice right in their tagline. Just, just leave people alone with the comma splices. Oh, no, he's, he's right. He's right. See? All right, uh, talking about crazy things. I don't understand, Stephen, why you do anything that you do. <laughs> so on Twitter yesterday, you posted a picture of an archive of OS X installers going all the way back to 10.1. And I just don't know why you have them. Like... Why do you need them? Why do you have an installer for 10.2? Like, what do you need that for? Like, I don't get it. Why do I do anything that I do? <laughs> I don't know anymore. Why does the earth rotate around the sun? So here's another question for you. Like, 10.4.7 and 10.4.8, why do you not have the, both the PowerPC and Intel versions for both of them? Uh, so the that was the... Oh no, I've made it. I've broken him. <laughs> no. <laughs> when they moved to Intel, you couldn't buy OS ten like the installer on its own. If you bought an Intel iMac, it came with like the restore disk for that computer. And at some point Apple realized, oh, people might just need a copy of OS ten. And so they, they did like a mid release uh like retail version of, of Tiger. Um as far as why I have them, you know, it's it's I think it's well. It actually is well documented that I have a, a growing Apple collection of stuff, and this is sort of part of that uh, in a way. And because I have a bunch of old stuff, it is nice to be able to. If I'm going to write an article, um, 
you know, a history thing, it is nice to have access to this stuff. So I've got a bunch of machines that come in a bunch of different versions of OS X, and uh, it's handy. And it, it is incomplete. So I have actually I had someone email me last night. They want to mail me uh, copies of the public betas, which I think I'm going to let them do. Oh, but um, it's crazy. It, it doesn't it's, make it like that makes no it's part, sense. It's part like, of the collection. You ne- you're never gonna need the public betas. You're never gonna need those. Probably not, but it would be fun to see them. It'd be fun to play with them. Like the that weird version of Aqua that had the Apple logo. You know, there's a version of OSN that had the Apple logo in the center of the screen yeah, instead I've of seen all that, the way yeah. on the left. Like and the if your menu bar had a lot of items in it, it would just smash into the Apple logo. Like wh- what? Why is it there? And it was it was before it was a menu, it was purely decorative. It's just part of that collection. This is the nerd equivalent of the DNA preservation in Jurassic Park, where they keep the DNA of all species around. <laughs> <laughs> and you keep it's the true. installer. Uh, an old version of OS X is going to come alive and eat everybody on the island. <laughs> you are the Richard Attenborough of OS X. Wow. I keep, I keep saying, does your family know about this? I mean, they, they must... They must have a, yeah. have a sense of the yeah. extent that you go to keep the old Macs around, but do they know about the software and the K-based stuff? I mean, it's really it's really like a second career for you at this point. It is the the software is interesting because I, most of those you got screenshot most of those I have hard copies of and have had hard copies of for a long time. And really, I just recently kind of was like, I should make images of these CDs since they're just sitting in my attic and slowly dry rotting. Why wouldn't you do um, that? But uh, yeah, they're aware. They're, they're aware. So, uh, I, just, I like seeing the way that technology changes. And I think it's How many to... places do you have these images back up in? <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, they're on the, the, the drive they live on at home. Mm-hmm. Which has an offsite backup that's in my office, which is here, and they are the those external drives are also backed up to my Mac Mini Cola machine and, and Backblaze. Yeah, and Backblaze. <laughs> the, the, okay. the virus, the virus is spreading all around the United <laughs> three, States. Three backups of OS ten point two feels like the right thing to do. You know, one day you guys are going to need to run it and be your only hope. No, the only no, hope no, no, never no, going to no, really. need it. Never going to need it. <laughs> I do have a little bit of a problem. Since we're already making really? fun of me, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and share this. Not even Apple has all these backups. I'm troubled that 10.7 and higher are app store, like app bundles. Oh, that's <laughs> and I think trouble. I'm going to make CD images of them as well so I can burn them if I need them. Because you have to like... What? So, like, if you want to install 10.7, like, from nothing, you have to start with 10.6, because 10.7 is an app. and But you can make CD images of them, so I think I'm, that's going to mm-hmm. happen soon, I think. So you'll make a CD image of it, and then burn <laughs> it back into the, the location. Oh, you can just do it all virtually. You don't have to actually make a CD. You didn't capitalize from, in, in this, from the App Store. You kept a lowercase f. That's a, a really nice touch. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, I'm... Um, I'm a conservationist. <laughs> this is, um, I mean, I'm speechless, Stephen. Yeah. And, and the screenshot is actually, I found my 10.0 disk uh, late last night, so that will be in this folder too. Phew. No, thank God. Right. What a relief. If you want to experience a world of hurt, install uh, 10.0. It was a terrible operating system. <laughs> you know, it was so bad that they released 10.1 shortly thereafter, and it was free. Like, this was in the days when OS 10 cost $129, and they were like, if you pay shipping and handling for the disk, 
we'll just give you 10 one we're really sorry about 10 zero anyways can we carry on now this is yes been yes pleasant yes this week's episode is brought to you by braintree code for easy online payments if you are a mobile app developer Hey, check out Braintree. They are the payment solution used by companies that you use every day, like Uber, Airbnb, Hotel Tonight, Living Social, and Montreal. Braintree has made the payment experiences in all of these applications seamless and magical. And you are now able to add a similar experience to your own app as well. And with their excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree is there to get you ready to receive payments quickly. They continuously support their product. This is something that they are really, really passionate about. They're always adding things in. They're always adding new options. They're they're up to the date with all payment types for your customers like PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, everything, all with a single integration. Plus, Braintree's fast payouts means that you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also focused on helping solve the problem of mobile car abandonment. And they do this by offering a better best-in-class mobile checkout experience and all of the apps that they use all of the apps that they're included in they make the experience in them just seamless and you're now able to add a similar experience to your own app as well braintree is a full stack payment solution they have support for all of those payment types that i mentioned a moment ago and they're making sure that they add everything that you're ever going to need they're awesome like that they're with you across all platforms with superior fraud protection fantastic customer service and fast payouts to learn more and for your first fifty thousand dollars in transactions fee free go to braintreepayments.com slash connected thank you so much to braintree for their support of relay fm so uh the iphone rumors which we uh talked about a couple weeks ago and sort of bemoaned that they were already happening uh, they're continuing to happen. I think this one is particularly interesting as all three of us carry the uh, 6S Plus and are, are interested in that in that bigger model. Um, the new rumor, which, I mean, really early on, all of this is really shaky, but uh, is talking about the iPhone 7 Plus uh, possibly having a, like a lot of, like 256 gigs of storage, which is <laughs> crazy to me. <laughs> Uh, and a larger battery. What are they saying? Thirty-one hundred milliamp battery. You know, th- this really being a high-end iPhone in a way that we really haven't uh, seen before. Um, and I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. And I'm really curious what you guys think about this. How this would fit into to things? Um, historically, it's been making the rounds recently. Uh, this this idea that Apple um, they want to go thinner and lighter, and I think with the weight is really what they're after. And they they do that while preserving battery life in a couple of different ways. That the the systems on a chip that Apple is using that they're designing in house are so power efficient and have such great gains year over year that putting a new system on a chip with the same battery results in better battery life. So they can shave a little bit off the battery and preserve that that number that they like to hit. And we see this in things like the iPad, right? Where the iPad Pro and the original iPad are vastly different and and uh, processor speed and GPU speed but has the same battery life, and they're they're able to balance that if that makes sense. But this the seven plus rumor kind of uh, goes almost in the other direction, right? They're saying, well, this is going to have you know a much bigger battery, and coupled with a new CPU that, if Apple stays on its current trend line, would be more energy efficient than ever. This phone could get dramatically better battery life than the current 6S Plus, which is already better than the than the regular uh, size iPhone, the smaller size iPhone. 
And you know, it's interesting too because we've had rumors that the you know the new seven, the new phone, the seven is going to be like iPod Touch. Then you know, there's the headphone jack rumor that they're getting rid of it because the phones that's going to be the th- the thickest thing, and that's what's holding the back. But if they're putting a battery the size in it, sh- those other things probably can't be true at the same time. So it's like this conflicting thing. Um, like Federico, you had something I think interesting in the document about this about maybe Apple doing something new here. And mm-hmm. what do you think about this? Yeah, well, there there have been a few rumors uh, about Apple doing some new things at the high end of the iPhone line, and I've seen these rumors for the past few months about an iPhone Pro. So instead of having an iPhone. Uh, I mean, the traditional plus version of, of the iPhone, which is just bigger, but doesn't have any new or different features from the smaller uh, iPhone version, uh, uh, that Apple may consider having new and different uh, functionalities or hardware specifications in the in the bigger iPhone in the future. And these people were saying, for the iPhone 7, there's going to be an iPhone 7, so the traditional version. And the Plus is going to be more similar to a Pro edition. So it's got more uh, hardware, like more battery or more RAM or stronger GPU. Or maybe it's a, there's going to be software differences. And I think there's something, there's something to the idea of uh, having a bigger phone that also has uh, some ex- exclusive features. But then again, I don't know... If that ca- introducing that kind of dis- differentiation between iPhone versions could confuse people, you know, especially considering the uh, the popularity of big phones, but also the fact that these big phones are, you know, really expensive for a lot of people. Uh, I I don't know if people may be confused by a new iPhone that comes with the with the with the lesser version and the and the real goods in the in the in the big model. I think that I totally agree with what you're saying, but I think more battery and more storage are not confusing. Like if they start at like, let's say 3d touch was iPhone six plus only, then that would be weird, right? That would be difficult. But just saying, Oh, the big one has a bigger battery and it has more storage. I don't think that is confusing in my opinion. Like that's just like, okay, it's bigger so it can have more stuff in it. Right. That that just feels like a thing that kind of makes sense. Yeah, and and I think they want to be careful too of you know like say your 3D touch example, which of course is an extreme example. But say they do that, that is only going to hamper that technology's adoption rate amongst third-party developers, right? If you're a third-party developer and you're looking at adding something like 3D touch, you're much more prone to do it if all the new phones have it, right? But if it's just on the plus, which already doesn't, I mean. I, seems like doesn't sell as well as the the normal size phone like that that's only going to slow that down and while apple is not doesn't hesitate to make third-party developers lives difficult at times they do like to see their technology adopted quickly uh so i I agree like well the one counter argument is the pencil right like that's one that's it's a new thing developers have to do some stuff to implement it it's only on one version of a line yeah, and uh, I, I agree with you there. And I think that the pencil will probably filter down eventually. And it, it may be that the iPad Pro proves to be the outlier here. Because um, they, so, I mean, they sell so many more iPhones than anything else. But th- th- this already kind of exists now, right, with things like uh, optical image stabilization, which most people don't know what it is. Most people don't care what it is. But those who do, you know, how many 
times that have have we heard on other podcasts and people writing that they they like the 6s size but they are disappointed they don't have that image stabilization um and that i think you know apple kind of never really said it but it's kind of i think understood that that's a size constraint maybe or maybe they're doing it for budgetary reasons because the plus remember does start at a hundred dollars more the base price is up a little bit but i do think mike to your point that having battery life and storage space as being what's unique about the plus um those things only coming to that line that i can see happening and uh you know i guess the question really is then is it are those trade-offs in apple's mind worth you know making a phone that maybe it's it's as thick as it is today and maybe the the regular smaller phone gets thinner but this one stays the same and are consumers when they look at those two phones they say well this one's so much thicker and heavier well it comes with like two-day battery life or something or uh, you can get it with all this extra storage and like that. Like, are there, do those trade-offs make sense? I, I will speak for myself and I would say yes. As someone who already likes the plus, I'm already biased into, into purchasing a plus again. Um, if I get one with even more storage space or with two day battery life or something like that's just a bonus for me. But if you're on the fence, I wonder like, is that enough to kick you up to the next level or uh, is it not worth it to people? The other thing is the branding. So, I mean, there's also rumors of a four inch phone. What if they mm-hmm. all all three of them are the iPhone seven line, and then you end up like they just go they just go all in and just call it like seven Air and Pro, with like mini normal plus. Yeah, I mean, I was, I do think that like if they do something like this, just forget that it was called the Plus and called it the Pro, and just have it fit with the rest of your lines. Yeah, probably. Like they didn't call the iPad yeah. the iPad Plus, right? They called Jeez. it the iPad Pro, right? I mean, and effectively, it is just a plus. Like it's just bigger, right? Well, it's also a pro. You know, exactly. that's what I mean. Like, but by the same reason that they gave the the plus, the six plus, the name mm-hmm. plus is like it's just bigger. I mean, I know it has a more powerful CPU, blah blah blah. But it's the main thing is it's it's bigger. So yeah. I think that they should maybe go all in and go with like if they go, they call them all iPhone seven. Right, just call them all iPhone seven, and then have like the seven, which is the four inch, maybe, and then the seven Air is the what the six is now and then mm-hmm. the pro is the what the plus is now yeah i I could see a world where that that is how you know how, how things are, are named and because c- it is confusing with mean, the plus is like an outlier branding wise i think that's i think that's well said yeah it's funny to think now like when you think about it now it's like, why did they ever call it the plus like they had names that worked right like they they have or they have established they have a long history of established names in the convention that could have worked like they say they chose pro i mean it, the ipad pro is very much a professional device it made sense that they gave it that name so right. i think we could see the iphone going in that route if they added things like bigger battery and more storage it's like we've done this it's a little bit thicker and it's the pro version or a hardware keyboard no i was kidding oh god <laughs> Not a hard- that's what samsung would do it's a pro because they put a hardware keyboard on it but we, we do see this sort of device offered by other manufacturers you know the one that that springs to mind for me is the motorola uh, motorola um it's the droid turbo max that you know has like it's a little bit thicker a little bit bigger yeah and they just did it again with the new moto ones right they have like a, a range of three phones which are all built on the same kind of core right foundation i guess what they got the, the pure style and something else play maybe yeah but they have one that's like 
the battery life. Like that is the mm-hmm. thing. Like, um, but yeah, I, I mean, I would welcome it as someone who I'm already going to buy the bigger phone they make. Like, I, I really like this screen size. Um, I think I shared a couple weeks ago. I recently bought my wife an iPhone 6s. She was on a 5s, bought her new phone, and so I've spent time with that with that form factor again very recently. And for me, it's a sort of cemented the fact that the the plus is what I like personally. And uh, so for me, like I said, it'd be great. And I I, I do think. I do think things like that matter to consumers. Like I, I, I do think we're kind of at a point where it's not just nerds talking about like the battery life and the 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 thinness. The in a world where people, basically everyone, puts their iPhone in a case, so that is by far how most people experience their devices. Then like some of that work is lost, right? And and so if you have one model where you, the trade-offs are different then that's that's going to put options on the table for people now it is another you know if they do this like say that this all comes true you know it is another point of of fracturing in their product line which is a different conversation but i think that it's one that makes sense to me as someone who some days my phone is my primary computer and it you know a bonus of having the plus is the better battery life. So to see that push further would be welcome. We are super biased, right? The three of, of us. But I want the plus to have more. I mean, I'm already sacrificing the fact that this thing is huge. So like, you know, make it a little bit thicker maybe or keep the thickness and give me the bigger battery. Like, I'll live with it, man. I want it. I don't even care if it continues to stay as heavy as it is. Maybe it gets a little bit heavier. Like, I would love a bigger battery, more battery. Like, I don't care about 256 gigabytes of storage. I don't know why you'd put that in the phone and not the iPad. Uh, Like, go crazy if you want to. I don't know who's using that. Uh, But, yeah, I would love to see more battery. I'd love to see more done with the iPhone 6 Plus, you know, than the 7 Plus to, to make it like that. I mean, don't don't splinter the, the the product line. Like, don't give it crazy things. But show me some some reasons why I would want this other than just a screen. Make it a a different kind of device. I like I like the sound of that. Oh, you know, actually pay attention to the software and like the landscape stuff. Oh, yeah. It feels like it feels like it was put together in like a couple of months, two years ago, and they didn't ship any update after that. Like, yeah, there's some sh- there's still some super weird landscape bugs. Yes. <laughs> So yeah, I I I think I would also, again, you, you know what I think. I, I would be okay with keeping the same uh, thickness and and having more battery. But again, I like surprises. So I don't know if maybe Apple comes out with a with a thinner uh, iPhone Seven Plus, and I'm like, okay, yeah, I I really like this. I I, I this is what I wanted. Forget about battery life. I don't know. Um, we're like um, eight months away, so. I'm sure we'll we'll come back to this yeah. sooner or later. Yeah, it is an early time to talk about it for sure. But this this idea, this new rumor, is 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 interesting enough to think about. Just quickly, amongst the three of us, do we think they're going to make a new four inch phone? Yeah, that's what also what I wanted to ask, and I think they the, there's going to be something about about this. Uh, I think that it is right because I mean I look at Adina, and she's using my five S right now, my old five S. Mm-hmm. Her hands are just too small. Like she is a petite woman, and she could not comfortably yep. use a six. Like just flat out. And what will happen is she will use that five S until it is just dead. Yeah, right? because same. she was using a four for the same reason. Yeah. Um. So I, I think if Apple want to continue to make sure that they have everybody that they could have, 
they should consider doing something like updating that line, even if they do it every two years or something like that. Um, but just making sure that they don't lose those people because not everybody wants a big phone. Yeah, Silvia's using a, an iPhone 6s and she she's you could say she's she's petite and uh, she she doesn't like it basically she's like the moment that apple makes a makes a four inch phone i'm gonna go back i don't care if it's got the latest cpu or the latest camera i just want to use uh, a modern but smaller iphone and and i keep seeing this from not from a lot of people but it's it's uh it is the kind of request that never quite went away so I think there's a market for people who want, you know, a smaller, a smaller iPhone or maybe using right now an iPhone 6s or an iPhone 6, but they don't fully love it because it's it's gotten too big. And you know, in in any type of fashion industry, trends are are cyclical. They they come, they they go away, and maybe the the trend of of compact phones. And let's remember that the iPhone 5 and 5s were even bigger mm-hmm. than the the original iPhone. That trend never never went away, really. And so, if Apple wants to make a, you know, a new C line of iPhones, then I think making making the, you know, the smaller version is probably a good idea. Yeah, if you're going to make a big phone for people that want big phones, you should maybe also make a small phone for people that want small phones. Like this is a situation that they put themselves into, so they're probably going to have to cater to that. I think going forward. Yeah, I'm gonna have a little mutiny in my household if we just bought her a success and she she wants something smaller and um it was kinda of before those rumors picked up and I was like, ah, you know, they may do it, they may not, but her five S took a bath and I was like, It's it's time to replace this thing. Like the external speaker didn't work anymore. It's like, okay. Uh but so if they if they do this, I'm gonna be in trouble. But I, I agree with you guys. People I think it's pretty clear that people want it and uh, I, for one, hope they take the opportunity to make a modern phone that they don't just slap the guts of a 5 or a 5S into a new case, right? Like that this is They're going to put Apple Pay in it, whatever it is. I think they've got yeah. to. They, they have to put Apple Pay in it. So, you know, if 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 that means that it's, you know, I guess like a 6, um, I think that's okay. Like if, 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 it's, if it's one generation behind, I could live with that. I definitely don't want it to be two, though. I think they need something that is a a real option. You know, right now... You can get a smaller phone, but it's got to be a 5S. And that's not really a compelling phone at this point in time. So I hope they take the opportunity to make a good phone at the size. And uh, I hope they will. I think I think, I think think they probably will. And I think that it will do well amongst people who want it. Should I take a break? Yeah. Let's do it. This week's episode is brought to you by Casper, an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get for a fraction of the price that you're used to finding in stores. Buying a mattress is a interesting thing. You go to a showroom, you sit on a bed for a few minutes in the clothes that you came in on with your shoes on, with people looking at you and people waiting for you to buy something, and then you have to decide if that's the mattress you want to sleep on for the next 10 years. This is weird. You should be sleeping on that mattress properly in your pajamas. You should know how it feels and if it's going to provide you with the comfort and support that you want. This is what Casper is all about. Casper provides mattresses that have resilient and long-lasting supportive comfort. This is what they're about. But their whole process, the way that you buy is completely different. You buy Casper mattresses online. They ship them to you. You unbox them. And I say box, they put them in these crazy boxes so you don't have to struggle getting them up the stairs. You open them up, they breathe themselves to life because they're vacuum-packed, and then you sleep on it. And you can sleep on it for 100 days. And if you don't like it, they'll, they'll take it away for free. 
They'll give you free delivery and free return within a 100-day period. Buying a Casper mattress is completely risk-free. They understand that buying a mattress online can leave people wondering how it's possible. That's how they make it possible. Casper mattresses are completely unique. They have created their own one-of-a-kind new hybrid mattress that combines premium latex foam with memory foam. These two technologies come together for better nights and brighter days. It has just the right sink and just the right bounce. It is obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. For example, Casper mattresses cost between $500 for a twin-size mattress, $750 for a full-size, $850 for a queen, $950 for a king, which is amazing. All Casper mattresses are made in America. Usually mattresses that you'd find in the stores that you're used to going to cost well over $1,500. But because Casper don't have to worry about any of that showroom stuff, they're able to keep their prices low and they can pass those savings on to you, the consumer. As I say, you get a 100-day uh, free return period you get it delivered to you for free if you don't like it they'll take it back if you do like it which i'm sure you will you can keep it it's yours right and that's the bed that you'll sleep on for many many years listeners of this show can get 50 dollars towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash connected and using the code connected terms and conditions apply please see site for details thank you so much to casper for supporting this show and relay fm so we were talking about what to discuss this week. And Federico posed a very interesting topic, which is now that iOS 9 is three months old, which is crazy mm-hmm. that it's only been three months. Like all of mm-hmm. this stuff moves so fast, but you think you've had it forever, but no, it's been only three months. We want to take kind of a moment to review iOS 9 again, like now that we've spent a very long time with it and to see kind of what are the things about it that stick out to us. And mm. one for me, most definitely, uh, something that I love is Notes. Uh, I use Notes all the time. It's one of my favorite iOS apps. It was uh, very close to getting my vote for my Upgrady app of the year on the Upgrady's last week. It was my runner-up. It's because it's just super simple, and it does a ton of things that I need. So I keep a bunch of very simple notes in there now. Like uh, when I travel now, I just make notes of all of the information I need, you know, all my flight numbers and hotel information just goes in notes very easily. Um, I keep just notes of ideas of things that I want to do. What you would usually put in an app like Simple Note or something like that, right? Like those sorts of things, they all go in there. But my favorite thing is having my follow-up documents. Like I have little follow-up notes for every show and you can add things with the extensions so easily. And I just love that. The extension is fantastic. Yep. I mean, it's not perfect. Like, I would love to be able, I think I mentioned this last week, to be able to indent lists, you know, when you're making a bullet list with the tab key on the keyboard on my iPad Pro, but it doesn't work. It just tabs and the bullet point stays where it should, where it was, where it's not correct. <laughs> uh, and also on OS X, I would love a global font setting so it's bigger, so I don't have to make everything bigger all the time. Yeah, but, it's way too small. But it is crazy to me that notes is the notes app of choice for me now like that's the app that i want to use why do you why do you think it's crazy because it's the apple notes app right it was like a joke app for many years you mm-hmm. know like it had the stitch lever in it right in the little pocket which you couldn't put anything in and then it was like ruled paper and you used to write on it <laughs> yeah. in what was marker felt font marker felt. Yeah. like it was a joke for a lot of for a long time i think here's where you guys will mock me i have screenshots of it and i will provide one for the show notes because i keep old software around you got it running on the device somewhere you just like a I stack do. of ipads of every single An original ipad yep yeah. mm-hmm yeah, I mean, I'm I'm using it every day as well. It's it's basically, I've tried many note-taking apps, um, and it's I, I think for me it's the perfect one for links. So I love the way that you can save a link with the notes extension, 
into an existing node. And this is what many, many other apps don't get right. Uh, like Mike, I keep um, a few notes that are a running list of things, whether it's uh, text or bullet points or links to web pages or Twitter. And many note-taking apps, they don't let you append, so save content into an existing note. They only let you create a new note. And with the Notes app, I can save a link into an existing note, so it goes it goes at the bottom of the note, and not only is it saved in a, in a, in the, in the note that I already have, so I don't end up with like twelve notes every week, but the link is saved with a little preview, so it shows me uh, the lead uh, image of a, of the web page and the title. If it's uh, like a like a uh, an article, I can see the title when I save a link, so it's like a snippet of the link and no other note-taking app that I've tried does this so I've tried Evernote it only saves links and I've tried OneNote uh, which saves like a full copy of a web page of a web page which I don't really want and so I've been keeping li- uh, lists for uh, Mac Stories Weekly for Mac Stories and it's basically perfect for links there's a few things I would like to see in notes uh, now that, I, that it's been out for, for a few months so when you draw with the pencil um, Apple has an API, I think, in Swift that lets you uh, automatically convert shape-like objects to precise geometric shapes. And as far as I'm aware, you cannot do that in, in Notes. So a few apps have this. Um, OmniGraffle by the Omni Group, uh, OneNote by Microsoft uh, lets you convert shapes to, you know, that you draw with your finger or with a pencil to a real shape. That would be really convenient to have in notes. Also, I would love the ability to export a full note or full page as a PDF. Not sure you can do that. And I really sometimes miss being able to OCR, you know, to search for text contained in, a, in an image yeah. that I save in notes. So that was one of the features from Evernote and from OneNote too, I think, that I really like. And I, and I miss being able to do that. But overall, I would say iOS 9 and Notes, probably the highlight of this release is the new Notes app, which I, I, I agree, it, it is surprising, you know. Uh, we used to make fun of this app and now it's one of, of our essential <laughs> tools, uh, I guess. So the the next item in our in our list that I feel it's like an obvious uh, point of follow up, iPad multitasking. So, um, Mike, I want I want to ask you because you you sort of came into iOS nine, uh, maybe not as a skeptic, but you were not using iOS nine as much as you are now uh, with the iPad Pro and everything. So, what's the effect of multitasking been so far? to the way that you get work done every day. Love it, man. I mean, I use it on OS X as well, like the split screen stuff. Um, but the split screen on the iPad Pro is so awesome. And that's why I get so mad about Google Docs, right? Because it's so great for me to be able to like, uh, I have Chrome open on one side and my email open on another side and I can check something. Or I have Twitter open and I have Slack open at the same time. You know, I have like... I'm using Outlook and Dropbox to make sure I've got files in the correct places before I'm attaching them. Like, it really works for me. I mean, because most of the time, I'm not working with more than, than two apps, right? Like, like at a time. But when I when I do, I can just very easily command tab and the one on the left changes for me. 
So it's like it's very easy for me to even to have three or four apps on the go and then have that one on the other side. And you just think about it that way. It's like, what is the app that I need to stay to remain to stay in one place and what are the ones I need to switch through? And then you choose where you want them to be on the left or the right. I think it's great. Like I really do think that it is great. And it makes using iOS for work a breeze. And it is something that I'm doing so much. Like I it is difficult for me to even say how much I love my iPad Pro. Like I just don't use my iMac for anything other than when I'm recording and editing now. The really? rest of my work is happening on my iPad Pro. Wow. It's kind of crazy. Like I didn't expect it, but it's just mm. something that has happened. And you think the multitasking played a big role in this? Huge. Huge. Because right, mm. so a very simple thing for me is um, booking in sponsors into our system. So like someone will send me an email and they want this date, this date, and this date. Now I can just keep the email up on that side, book them in on the other side, right? Or like I need to take the sponsored's email, like what they'd like me to talk about, and then write a script for the show, like write talking points and stuff like that for, for our hosts to read. So I can have the email up on one side and bio it up on the other and write it out or you know, or notes or whatever because sometimes I write them in markdown, so I write them in byword. And then take that script and put it into Chrome, into our sponsor system. Having just those two apps side by side makes it easy for me to check one and add it into another or copy and paste one thing and put it into here. It just makes that work for me in a way that iOS wouldn't have worked before. Like the iPad Pro would be useless to me if it was just a big screen to have one app on at a time. Like I'd be like, what's the point of this thing? Or why does it even exist? Like it makes no sense. Mm. And that is like just making for the type of work that I do when I'm not recording, the iPad Pro is basically all I need. Like if yeah. I'm not recording or editing, all I'm doing is like looking at the web, reading Twitter, reading Slack, doing email, saving documents. Like it's super simple for me to use that stuff. Like what do I use on my Mac, right? Like if some if I need to send a contract to someone, I use pages, right? Well I can use it on iOS. If I need to sign something, I use PDF pen, right? I can use it on iOS. It's just it works for me, man. Like I'm, I'm falling into the Federico life. If I did what you did, <laughs> like I would, I would only use an iPad. But it's just because I have to do so much audio stuff, and I'm not comfortable right now to make the transition over to iOS to even audio edit. And I know that there's stuff out there like Ferrite, which people mention a bunch, is meant to be really good. Jason's used it to edit the incomparable, like his actual show that goes out. I just don't want to do that right now. I love the power of my iMac. And I love my iMac for what I use my iMac for, which is like heavy, intensive work that needs a ton of crunching. I need a big screen or I want a big screen. So I've got it all in front of me and I can get everything done. Like when I'm recording as well, like I've got multiple windows open. I've got the chat room over here. I've got audio recording apps over here. I've got my notes over here. It really works for me. That's what I need it for. That's the machine I need in that scenario. But when I'm just like reading Twitter, looking at Slack and answering email, that's what the iPad Pro is for. And that smart keyboard is amazing. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm finding myself using split view. Or like uh, maybe not all the time, but every time I got to do something, it's usually done better with split view. Yeah. So two, two use cases that I, that occur every day. Uh, one is having outlook and Safari open at the same time. So when I get an email from, um, from a club, Mac stories, uh, member, uh, and I need to look up some information in, in the dashboard for, for the memberful system. I can just keep uh, the email client and the browser side by side. So I can double, je- uh, double check like the email address or the full name. And I'm also finding that um, preparing 
blog posts uh, is much easier, whether they're, they're just linked items, so really short form blogging, or full reviews and, and articles. I, I can keep, for example, uh, one writer, which is the app that I'm using now to, to uh, write and publish to Mac Stories. I can keep that on one side, then I can keep Safari on the other side and research a bunch of information. So I can, you know, like quote uh, some person, copy the text, paste it into the text editor, and I don't have to do the the app jumping, uh, you know, dance that used to be before iOS mm-hmm. 9. So it's all done in a single screen. And even when I'm looking at things like RSS or, you know, Twitter, and I want to make sure that I open a few links in a row so I don't have to open, close, open, close. I can just switch to split view and it's all done almost simultaneously, which is more convenient for me. But still, I find there are some aspects that I would like to see get better. And the, 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 the first one is absolutely the way that you activate multitasking. Which, is, which I think is a bit slow for two reasons. One is you don't have a way to activate slide over or split view with a hardware keyboard. So it's all done by touching the screen. And when you touch the screen, the interaction is too slow. So I don't know if it's just me, but the slide over um, gesture, so you slide in from the right edge of the screen, it got slower on the iPad Pro with iOS 9.2. And it takes like a second to show up. I don't know why. But even that, that's not the main issue. The main issue is it's so slow to switch between apps in the slide over app picker UI and to find the specific app that you want to put in the in the multitasking mode. There's no search box. So you cannot type in, I don't know, like Tweetbot and you, and you narrow down the results to Tweetbot. And the interface Interface is a list of three apps at a time. So there's no compact grid. There's no compact home screen with a bunch of icons. You got to scroll and scroll and scroll. And if you want to open in multitasking an app that you last opened like a few days ago, well, good luck with that because you got to scroll for like 30 seconds before you find it. And and I feel like Apple should definitely revise this piece of design, you know, because to make it faster and to at least uh, allow for a more compact view, to have a search box, I don't know, but definitely make it faster. And also when I'm working in split view, I think it's it's starting to become quite apparent that uh, there's no real communication between two apps shown at the same time. There's no drag, drag and drop, of course. Uh, and that would be great, you know, to be able to touch an image and drop it to another app or to drag and drop some text from, I don't know, from the browser to a text editor, you know? But even if Apple doesn't want to do this, and if they want to keep relying on extensions, even those are starting to become quite limited in the sense that you got to open the share sheet and then you got to find the extension. And I mean, the the entire uh, share sheet system was introduced, was, you know, with iOS 8 almost two years ago. And I feel like it's time to open that up a little bit more. And, uh, you know, to maybe allow uh, apps to define their own extension points. Uh, just for example, think about 1Password. Right now, if you want to log in into, into an app or a web page, you cannot activate the 1Password extension directly. You got to go through the share sheet first, find 1Password, and then use it. Wouldn't it be great to have a direct 1Password integration 
based on the extension, but without the share sheet. And it's all these little things that used to be great two years ago because we didn't have them before. But now that we have all this extra space and all these new multitasking capabilities, feels like it's time to kind of revise the entire extension system a little bit more. Because using the clipboard, you know, to copy and paste because there's no drag and drop, there's no custom extension points, that's starting to feel a little dated. I, f I think, and, you know, maybe with iOS 10, there's going to be even more um, flexibility for developers. So in your mind, like, you know where some developers put the little one password uh, icon on, on next to their logins? Mm -hmm. Like you would click that and it just opens the extension. Oh, yeah. It doesn't open the open in thing or whatever you'd call it. Yes. The best part of that is it shows a share sheet with just one password in it. <laughs> yeah, I don't even, I, I mean, it does need to be explained to me, but like, I don't understand how that happens. And every time it does happen, I'm like, this is weird. It's a custom protocol that uh, allows the share sheet to just uh, narrow down the, 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 the apps to but one password. If that exists, then why even have it? Because Apple wants to make sure that you go through the system share sheet first. And I feel like that kind of made sense two years ago. Like, I can understand why they wanted to launch with that. But now what I want is uh, for developers to be able to define their own extension points anywhere in their apps. So, for example, uh, you install a downloader uh, app from the App Store while you're in Safari and you can have a downloader icon in the toolbar. Much like you can have custom icons in Safari for OS X, you can, all, you can still be based on the existing extension fra framework so everything's safe and secure and the user decides. But let me skip the share sheet activation system and give, give me a new interface to decide, okay, I want to have this extension and I want this app to allow me to use this other app. Basically, treat extensions as mini apps inside of another app. And it's quite difficult to, to explain with words. Well, one that I imagine is like, say you're in Foursquare and you're looking at a restaurant and there's an mm -hmm. open table button. You press it and in, oh, it just automatically opens the open table extension. Kind of like book, that. You yeah. book the table and then done and you never leave Foursquare. Yeah, and basically developers don't have to create custom open table integrations. Uh, they just say, yeah, we'll call the open table extension here. And so uh, the the job is on the open table app. It's not on us. And you can imagine this with a bunch of other apps. Think of a tweetbot extension, one password, of course, a Dropbox extension that lives in, in the text editor. You don't have to use a share sheet. You don't have to use a, a custom integration. So you don't have to provide a login to, to that app. Because even with extension, uh, with the extension system, what some developers are still doing, they're still forcing you to have custom logins and integrations inside their apps because the share sheet is either too limited or too slow to do what they want to do. So if you open up this, the extension framework a little bit more, you could maybe enable more developers to skip the custom integrations and allow for extensions to be more adopted across many, many different types of apps. And again, the share sheet... I know what it, it exists as it is, and I feel like for some types of sharing activity, it makes sense. The problem is too many extensions are not really uh, tied to the idea of sharing anymore. They never were. In fact, if you go back to WWDC 2014, even Apple was demonstrating uh, a Bing translator extension. Well, is that really sharing anything? Mm -hmm. 
that's an action. And I feel like you want to be able to have these actions outside of the share sheet and have a little more flexibility, you know? I completely agree. Do we have anything more to say on iPad multitasking? Yeah, I mean, I, I was just going to touch on something you said, Mike, about really loving your iPad Pro. And, and I think, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple more weeks into owning it, I really think the multitasking is why I'm so drawn to the iPad Pro, that, that doing that sort of work on even an Air 2 just feels cramped to me. And I, I think that if multitasking wasn't here and, and Apple just kind of had the iPad Pro and it still ran one app at a time, that's all it was, it would be a lot less compelling to me. But like you, I can sit down and do some stuff side by side and you slide over and all these things and it makes it feel much more productive and uh, much better on that bigger screen. All right, let's take a break and thank our friends over at Squarespace for supporting this week's show. You can start building your own website today at squarespace.com and you want to use the offer code WORLD at checkout to get yourself 10% off Squarespace. Build it beautiful. When it comes to finding a home for yourself on the internet, you should check out Squarespace because they put all of the power that you're going to need right into your hands and take away the stuff that you don't want to have to worry about. It doesn't matter if you have any skill level with coding. Like You don't need to have ever built a website before to be able to use Squarespace because they have intuitive and easy-to-use tools that will let you make something that looks and feels exactly how you want. You can customize their beautiful templates to make it look and feel like the place that you want to have online. You can change all the colors. You can change the layout. You can change the fonts. It's super, super easy to do all within your web browser. They have state-of-the-art technology there to power your site and also to ensure security and stability as well. All the Squarespace's websites feature responsive designs so they look fantastic on all devices and when you use their web view when you when you're on the in the website and you're building your site you can very easily preview how it's going to look on every device as well so you know you've got it just the way that you want. Squarespace back all of this up with 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams located all over the world that are there to help you if you have any issues. They also have their commerce platform, which adds a Squarespace store to your site. It's very easy to do. They integrate with a bunch of different services like Stripe for payment. We use Squarespace uh, commerce for at RelayFM to sell our t-shirts and stickers. Um, we have we can use promo codes and stuff like that. Like it's really really advanced. It's a, but also very simple for us to be able to get our heads around and get up and running. They also have their cover page. You can build great looking single page websites, rock solid, fast hosting, and so much more. Squarespace is for so many different types of people. Whether you want to have a portfolio, whether you're a musician, a restaurant, a business. Maybe you're announced like a wedding and you want to have all the information on the web, that kind of stuff. It's super easy to set all this stuff up. Squarespace make it a breeze. You can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card required and start booting your own website straight away by going to squarespace.com. Their plans start at just $8 a month. And if you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name as well. Make sure that you use the offer code WORLD at checkout. You'll get yourself 10% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for continuing their support of Connected and Relay FM. Squarespace, build it beautiful. So moving on, the software keyboard. Federico, I believe this is something that is upsetting uh, you. Yes, still very much upsetting. The main problem is the iPad Pro layout of the software keyboard. I covered this in my original review, and uh, more than a month later, it's still a problem. Almost two months, actually. Um, I I really don't understand why Apple isn't making a real uh, European or Italian layout, an option here. Um, I I want the, especially the rightmost side. Yeah, of it's all the, kinds of messed up over there. 
It's it's basically it's a weird combination of an American layout and the European layout. I really don't like that. I don't understand what's going on. I'm still hitting the delete key every time I want to want to type the enter key and vice versa. It's really messed up for me. Again, I don't understand what's happening there. And 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 also on the other side, on the left side of the keyboard, the globe icon. I'm still switching between keyboards all the time. I I thought I could get used to that relatively quickly, but nope, I'm still switching from English to Italian or to the emoji keyboard because the globe key, uh, the position got reversed from the iPhone and from the iPad Air 2. And worse, when you do use apps that still haven't been updated for uh, the iPad Pro, such as, you know, Google Docs, um, the globe key changes the position again. So when you get the upscaled keyboard, the globe icon is in a different spot. Then you go back to the Apple Pro keyboard, it's in a different spot again. And it's really, you know, from on both sides, I'm really unhappy, <laughs> I can say. Um, maybe, you know, before WWDC, we'll get another update. I haven't seen anything about iOS 9.3 which isn't doesn't you know make me optimistic exactly about getting major updates to the keyboard before June, uh, but we'll see. Uh, also, you know, speaking of hardware, where's the international layout for the smart keyboard? You know, we still yeah. have we're still stuck with the with the American keyboard, which by all means, respect to Americans in general, but we really don't like your keys, so we want to be using our own layouts. And, uh, you know, the, the, the keyboard department has been kind of a disappointment with the iPad Pro. Yep. I mean, I'm, get, I'm really getting used to it. Um, and it's working fine for me. Like, the, I'm using the keyboard every day. But I would really like it if it was just the keyboard layout that I'm used to. Because yeah. now, like, I have two... I have three software keyboards now. I have the US, UK, and Emoji because it seems to enable the US keyboard every time I plug in the smart keyboard. And also, like, the smart keyboard and iOS need to work better together. Like, they need to just stop, like, losing any sense of each other. Yeah. This happens to me so much. I, like, just buttons stop working. Like, I just like, why? Please stop doing that. Like, I want you to, <laughs> to actually work together. That would be really nice if you could do that for me. Yeah, yeah. so far I am not... Uh regretting my choice to forego the smart keyboard uh, i'm using it with a uh the the new magic keyboard just paired over bluetooth and so far i'm really happy with that decision like, i don't need the keyboard all that often unless i'm really just writing something long uh, and it seems like it's still like a really buggy experience in ways which is disappointing right it's like their flagship one of the flagship things about this device is this keyboard cover and, and it i I would say is even more disappointing in looking at how well the pencil works. Like I've never had any flakiness or anything weird happen with the pencil. It's been rock solid. And so to see, you know, hear your story about the keyboard being less than ideal is pretty disappointing. Yeah. I mean, but I do really like it though at the same time. Like it has problems, but like I'm, I'm happy using it every day, you know, like it is good for me. Like it, it does the job and I like having the keyboard there at all times. It's That's a really great thing to have. Um, but it's not perfect. Yeah, it's like one of those kids. Uh, it has potential. Yeah. Right? Should do more. <laughs> uh, speaking of keyboards, uh, emoji. 
I know this has been quite, uh, you know, a problem for many of us. Finding emojis is really slow. And mm-hmm. especially now that we have lots of new emoji, it's even harder to remember, you know, where do I, where do I find all of these emoji? And Apple, of course, uh, changed the layout last year with an iOS 8 update, I think. But what I really want is two things. Search and a way to uh, enter emoji via text. Basically, like you can in Slack. I don't know if you guys are the same. I would love to be able to enter it by text, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. I just think there needs to be a different way of laying it out now because there's a lot more emoji, which I love. Like iOS 9 brought loads of great emojis, like the money mouth man and the geeky nerd face guy and the popcorn emoji. Like I'm very happy that they all exist. You know, there's a proper bell now so we can make the Merlin man bell joke uh, correctly rather than using just the like the Liberty Bell looking thing. So, you know, they have got like one of those reception bells, like one of these ones, one of those guys. And so I'm happy that that we have these new emoji, but I would like to be able to find them in a different way. And something that also really frustrates me. So if you go to the emoji picker thing, you see you've got the food emoji, you've got the little hamburger and the drink with a straw in it. Mm-hmm. There is no drink with a straw in it emoji. It's like you're killing me. I was looking for that the other day, like a fast food cup drink type thing that doesn't exist. There is no emoji of it. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing to me? You're hurting me. The problem with using categories for this is sometimes I know that I'm looking for a specific emoji, but I'm like, okay, where does Apple believe this, this emoji <laughs> yeah, should be? Yeah. I'm trying to get in their mind and be like, okay, if I were the Apple engineer in charge of emoji categorization, where would I put this? And that's the biggest arg- argument I, I feel like in, in favor of search or at least a way to type out the possible name of an emoji. Because I know that the coffin, I know what it's like, but what is a coffin really? Uh, is it a empty or is it a body inside? Should I look for it in the, in the <laughs> object category? Or should I look for it next to a hospital or maybe in the people category? So just let me search or maybe type out the coffin. And, and a lot of, you know, a lot of um, third-party keyboards do this and... Slack is the obvious example. And I feel like Apple may be stuck in one of those principles that it's maybe a too geeky feature to to do this. But really, everyone knows how to spell out the name of an emoji. But a lot of people are struggling. And I see this with my friends all the time. A lot of people are struggling to to say, where do I look for this emoji? Which which uh, tab should I should I use? It's like I can never remember where the hearts are now. N- exactly. So what's a heart really? Where do you where do you find it? I mean, um, we're getting pretty existential now. Like when we exactly, think about emoji, exactly. You know, like, exactly. what what is a crown? Is a crown an object or is it part of a human? Do yeah. we do do we do we really want to talk about the the levitating man? Yeah, what, what is that? What's that? Is I don't that know what like... that is. And why is it in the activities category? Levitating man in a business suit is the full name, I believe. I, I don't know why, but I associate that with Michael Jackson for some reason. Wow, that's weird. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's frustrating is that Apple has solved this sort of on OS ten, where you have the uh, emoji and character palette. The character palette's been around forever, and they, they sort of slammed emoji into it and you can search in there but you can also search like in messages if you hit the little smiley face emoji guy it comes up with a little popover and they're yeah. all categorized like they are on ios but if you scroll to the top there's a search field like exactly even like something as simple as that, they already have the names of these things it's the exact same 
organization that's on OS 10, like why not port that over? It's it's not like they have to. Maybe they feel like they have to reinvent this and make it new on the Mac and iOS. But until then, give us what you have on the Mac because you already have it; it already exists. And I, I do like the way Slack does it, where it's like colon, and you start typing the words and autofills. Um, that that's fine. It's nice, but you know, even just like something as 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 low hanging as search would be enough. I think. All right. While we're on this, why why does the upside down smiley face guy exist? What is that? <laughs> that's uh, my interpretation. Is it's it's like a creepy smile. I, I I view it sort of as like he's like grimacing, like like he's sort of happy but also sort of sad. Like the the one that um. You know, it's got like the half frowny face. Like I view him kind of like that guy. I just yeah, don't know I don't why know. he's upside down. He's uh, just, because uh, he's hanging out. Uh, what about the hole in the ground? Oh, that's a great one. What about that? It's I mean, fantastic because it looks like there's a hole in the message. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's fun to have the little guy running into it. Yeah, oh, yeah that's, that's right. a good one. I like that's combining right. the little running guy emoji with different different scenarios. Yeah, you, you oh yeah, I'm it. I'm using the running guy uh, as uh, the emoji for when I have uh, physical therapy in my calendar events. Perfect. So I I put in the the, the running guy. Um, so what else do we want from from iOS? And we'll have an iOS 10 wish list down the road. Yeah, but in I, like I, six I, months or something. Yeah, I feel like. Uh, the I- immediate reactions after iOS 9, like stuff that uh, we want to see the most. I agree with everything you guys have said, and I think that's all stuff that I would welcome to iOS 9. The big thing I want, and it's not something that I really wanted until the iPad Pro, is like persistent background utilities. And so the example comes to mind is Copy. The clipboard manager, Federico, you reviewed it a couple weeks ago. I've been using mm-hmm. it. It's really powerful, really great. And uh, they do some things to kind of work around it. Um, you can hit their notification center widget and it will grab what's on the clipboard or if the app is running in the background still, uh, it will grab it. But it gets purged or you don't want to go to notification center. And you know you end up in this opportunity where you might think it's running and it's not or you forget to sh- use the share extension and you lose what you had. It- it's very often as an active thing to interact with something like a clipboard manager on iOS, where on the Mac, uh, it's just running all the time. And there are a couple interesting things here. I think on the Mac, it's almost too easy to like insert yourself into login items. So, you know, we've all installed something and the next time you log into your Mac, it automatically, like it's bouncing in your dock and launches. And, and because it inserted itself into login items without your permission, which it's not supposed to do, but apps do it. And like if you look in your menu bar on your Mac, I look in mine, I've got, you know, eight or nine things running up there that are running all the time. And what's interesting about that is that my iPad Pro gets better battery life than my MacBook Pro does. Like it's it Mac apps very often, even post um Mavericks where they added the timer coalescing and the the power shame feature. Mac apps have a tendency to to exist with the thought of, oh, I just have unlimited power and I could just run in the background and no one's going to notice me and it's fine. And iOS, of course, doesn't work that way. And apps get purged and there are workarounds and you can use a share sheet and stuff. But I would really like the ability in iOS to say, hey, you know what, system? Like, I'm a human. I know what I'm doing. I want copy to run all the time. Exempt it from 
background purge, let it always run. And uh, that, you know, you don't have to like do anything weird with like silent push notifications to keep it awake and like, or like hit the widget to keep it awake. Just run all the time and do your thing in the background. And if, you know, I don't think I'm alone in that. I mean, obviously there are some apps that would benefit that more than others. And I think it would have to be very clear that it's opt-in only because, I mean, how often do we talk about things like Facebook or YouTube running in the background and destroying your battery because they're thinking they're playing video all day? That's a problem that needs to be addressed. And I think that Apple hasn't done this because they haven't, you know, maybe that's a hard problem to solve. Like you have to have the UI to say, I'm always running. And like, well, what happens if I go into the the app switcher and accidentally quit you? Are you still running in the background? Are you not running in the background? Do I get a pop-up and say, oh no, I'm running. Don't kill me. Like, there's a lot of UI UX problems here, but it would be really helpful to have something that I could say, hey, look, I always want you on, always do your thing, and you know, I accept the consequences of what that could mean. Yeah, and when you think about the possible apps that could benefit from from continuously running in the background, uh, clipboard managers, uh, file downloaders, which, by the way, Safari still doesn't have, which is ridiculous, and it's one That's of crazy. The, the top of my wish list, really. Uh, you could download files. You could, you know, keep all sorts of uh, news apps uh, checking for new items in the background. And there could be ways that Apple could maybe throttle the the the, the resources that apps uh, can access in the background. There could be all sorts of limitations, but uh, the the benefit of having some kind of continuous activity going on um, would definitely benefit you know those types of users like us. I feel we can say at this point we're always using the iPad, uh, and you know developers have have resorting to all sorts of workarounds to make sure that apps can sync or can receive changes in the background. Uh, I've seen developers uh, use CloudKit to get around a limitation of uh, getting a notification change from a server. Uh, just because, you know, CloudKit is able to check for changes more frequently than other uh, frameworks and, and system APIs. So the, the, the benefit for many, many types of apps would definitely enable a lot of new use cases, especially on the iPad, you know, and on the iPad Pro, I feel like. And that really, uh, together with um, Safari downloads, is the the two features that stick out to me the most after iOS 9. And of course, the other stuff that we mentioned above, uh, multitasking changes and, you know, software keyboard improvements and emoji. Uh, three months after iOS 9, I would say, kind of to sum up, it's been by far the biggest change to the way that I work on my iPad. But in many areas... It's obvious to me that more has to be done this year. And I don't, I don't know if what Apple is planning for iOS 10, whether it's a redesign or new system apps. I don't know. I have no idea at this point. But it's pretty clear to me that there should be, again, for you could say the second year in a row, major improvements to the iPad. Because last year was a great start. Now they got to keep running basically, and they got to keep shipping features and changes. Uh, and especially if, it, if you were to say, okay, just pick one, and it would be multitasking. Just keep, you know, uh, keep banging the drum, basically. Keep shipping improvements, because light over and the way that you used to up at the same time, that's got to get better, and that's got to get faster soon. And again, 
I'm really happy with iOS 9, but I'm at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm happy, what's next? And waiting till June is going to be hard. And uh, I, I promised myself last year, yeah, well, when there's the next beta of iOS, I'm not going to put on my primary device. And, uh, and I feel like for yet again, I will be in June waiting for beta one and do the crazy thing and put it on my iPad because that's what I do. So, you know, we'll see. That's what you do. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Is that it? We, we done? I'm done. We've, I'm done. We had our catharsis. Yes. Thank you, Mike. If you want to Thank find our show notes for this week's episode, head on over to relay.fm slash connected slash 72. I want to extend our thanks again to our sponsors this week, Squarespace, Casper, and Braintree. And also to all of you that have become Relay FM members. We really appreciate it. And if you want to find out more about that, go to relay.fm slash membership and consider giving money to your favorite shows. As we said at the top of the show, we have some exciting stuff coming this week. Keep your eye on Relay FM. And you can follow us on Twitter and you'll find out all of the exciting stuff. Uh, Federico's at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. Stephen is at ISMH on Twitter, and I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Uh, if you want to find Federico's work online, he's over at maxstories.net, and Stephen is at 512pixels.net. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.